Welcome to The Spawn Chunks, episode number 17 for Monday, November 26th, 2018. My name is Johnny, but you might know me as Pixel Riffs, and joining me, as always, is the artist currently known as Joel Duggan. Hey Joel, how are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing fantastic, I like that intro. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to the day, you know how Prince sort of vaguely changed his name to a symbol at one point and became the artist mm-hmm. formerly known as Prince? I'm waiting for the millennial version of that, which is somebody who is just winky face emoji. Or the artist formerly known as, I don't know, Grimes or someone. I, I'm, yeah. <laughs> I'm kind of out of touch with modern music, as you can probably tell. I'll just turn my name into a picture of pancakes. <laughs> the artist currently known as Pancakes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sounds, sounds good. Sounds good. So, Minecraft, back here again. How, how is your Minecraft life going? What have you been up to this week? Uh, it was good. It was kind of shoot by the hip this weekend. I did not get any game time all week long, and that's mm-hmm. fine, because, uh, you know, adulting. Yes, uh, but uh, this weekend I took some time off to stream yesterday, uh, shortly after you, I believe, and I logged in without a plan. I just logged in, and like the first thing I said to stream was like, "Hello, I've got no idea what I'm going to do." <laughs> um, so we just started walking around. We just started walking down through the Dartmouth Meadows and uh, passed by Cosmic Dancer's new house on the server and mm-hmm. uh, noted that it was it was looking very nice and flowery, but was not connected to the path. And I thought, ooh. I'll connect it to the path for her if that's okay. She was in the chat, so she said, yeah, sure, go for it. So I did that, and that was fun. And I mean, it takes like 20 minutes, but it was a nice warm-up. It was a small little project. I mean, it was like 10 by 10 blocks. You know, you're just kind of like connecting one thing to another, but mm-hmm. then also trying to like... It was fun because I was trying to adapt what she had done with her style of building. And it's like, okay, well, I've got to make the path look like, you know, as soon as you step on it, you have to know I'm going to Cosmic Dancer's house, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So, so I had to do that, and that was fun. A uh, nice little warm up, uh, and then I ripped off the band aid, and I will use air quotes here. Designed the inside of the inn on a bridge. <laughs> uh, it's a large room at the top that needed the most work because the other rooms are kind of just functional. One is just an entryway, and the other one's sort of empty, but will just have like you know a light or you know something in it. It's just meant yeah. to be looked at from the outside. You you can get up into it, but there's no real point. Uh, but the upstairs has like a hearth and uh, ceiling tiles now. I used the dark oak trap doors, which I really like. Nice. But the yeah, challenge, yeah. yeah, the challenge that I had was the way that I did the end caps of the roof, I did have to lower the ceiling um, in order to hide that. Yeah. Um, however, I also had to, I wanted to keep the ceiling high at the end of the chimney because when I chopped a full block and or block and a half off of the roof height, the chimney started to look kind of squat. Yeah. And it looked, it looks much more regal with it was being, you know, larger. Uh, the other challenge was just, you know, tables and chairs and beds and making things look remotely. I don't In know, like. Just normal-ish, you know. Yeah. I mean, it's also yeah. kind of like a f- 14th century build. So you can get away with like wood tables and wood shelving and yeah. things like that. Yeah, the new sure. The new spruce trap doors are fine. But the problem that I have with them is that I, I, the way that it was was working, I couldn't put anything underneath them. And still have stuff on them. Yeah. So yeah. it's it's a real issue. Like I wish there was a way that you could craft tables in vanilla Minecraft because it just it really does suck the life out of a really nice outside build. Not to toot my own horn, but I'm quite proud of this this inn. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And then you walk inside and you're like, okay, well, there's a couple of default Minecraft beds. I've got banners hanging on the walls that look like curtains, and they look okay. Uh, and then 
these tables are like trapdoors and fence gates stuck to the wall. Uh, one of them is low enough that it has a flower pot on it, but it really is kind of like pushing your imagination. So for anybody out there, and I know that you've done some interior design stuff too, but for anybody out there that has some like really serious tricks to make stuff look good, and I don't mind if it means pushing things around with pistons and like if there's a little bit of work involved, that's fine. I just would really like this to look good. Uh, the only thing that I'm happy with is is a... A uh, acacia slab chair and ottoman that actually look okay. Nice. Yeah, it's it's difficult to. For a start, I find myself having problems with getting a like a an exterior and an interior to match because of the scale that we build with a lot of the time. Like I yes. find myself building something that looks great from the outside to the scale of a player, but then when it comes to the interior details, you really can't like match the detail that you can put into the outside because the interiors of these builds tend to be so small mm. compared to, you know, a room that would normally be, you know, meters and meters wide. You've got like two or three blocks to work with and everything that you can place down in that space is, you know, at, at most half a meter long. <laughs> and that's not how furniture works in the real world. So yeah, yeah fi finding yourself with very little to actually decorate with is, is difficult. I find that the the more detailed blocks, things like bookshelves and stuff like that go a long way to making those areas feel lived in because mm. they've got so much kind of little fiddly detail in them that it helps give the impression at least that there are things that can be smaller than a meter long. And that's that's what I tend to right. decorate with. I never thought about I never thought about putting a bookshelf next to one of the beds and using the bookshelf as the bedside table. Yeah, it's I like should, a nightstand should, kind of thing. Yeah. yeah, I should go I should maybe revisit that and see if I can't see if i can't sort that out because that that could be that could add a little bit of life to it as well yeah and uh, we got, we're going to see a lot more options for interior detail with the new um 1.14 blocks that are coming out as well like i imagine just putting like a a fletching table in the corner or whatever like a what the the cartography mm -hmm. table now it's going to mm -hmm. be great to have something like that where there's a a map just kind of on the on the surface of a table e even adding right. um item frames with maps in now could be a good way of doing that yeah, no, that's true. That's true. That's true. I never thought about doing some item frame stuff with like pressure plates or whatever, like just to, in order to try and do a little bit of stuff. But I had a, I had a fun tip. Uh, actually, I think it was it was either Stanley or Jared, Jared that was in, in the chat, but I was having trouble lighting it. Uh, I had some I'm rather proud of my ceiling fan design. I don't think it's anything that hasn't been done before, but I, I came up with it. I thought it matches the build pretty well. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh they, of course, they didn't light very much because they're on the ceiling. So as yeah. per, you know, our conversation a couple of weeks ago, the light kind of disappeared quite quickly. So I was noticing a lot of sevens and sixes in the corners, but I have a lot of trap doors as kind of like a baseboard liner in the room. And someone pointed out, it's like, oh, if you've got trap doors there, then it's blocking spawning anyway. Yeah, because it's not a full right. block, even if they're well, like yeah, vertically exactly. against the wall. Yeah, exactly. So you, like you place them down on the floor, but then you flip them up so that they're up against the wall. And I was like, oh, I keep, I forget that blocks like that occupy the whole space. Mm -hmm. So I was like, ooh, that's that's good to know. Like so, I mean, I still lit most of it, but it it meant that if I did have a number, you know, like a a light level six in the corner, I, I could just make that mental check of like, oh nope, it's good, it's got a trapdoor, so you know, we can have this dark and spooky corner and and have it not be real death. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it makes sense for the ambience of the build, especially if you're looking at 14th century kind of stuff. It'd yeah. be lit by like a couple of candles or maybe like an yeah. oil lamp later on. Like that's the, the kind of stuff you can get away with. And if you can make stuff a little bit more atmospheric, then then that's great. That's yeah. actually actually pretty neat. The, the one problem I have with trapdoors is that you can't have them go in a corner 
because like if you're up against a wall then you can only fit one on a block and you can't yeah. have it like on the the kind of the wall to 90 degrees of that it just won't stay there so yeah, I ran into that problem where I have I like the I like the trapdoor trim in one particular corner, and I would have liked to have put a bedside table in that corner, but I can't have both. Yeah, like I can't yeah. have the best of both worlds. So, um, or I could if I wanted to have the table up so high that you couldn't put anything on it, like have a trapdoor and a trapdoor sort of thing. But at that point, it starts to look really weird. It it takes the 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 function you get the function of one block but you lose the function of the other it just looks kind of out of place and kind of jammed together but mm -hmm. i wish there was I, I understand the challenge of it but i wish there was a little bit more sub block kind of construction that you could do that would make this kind of stuff a little bit nicer on the inside i mean yeah. i know that there's mods out there and but and that's fine but the problem i have with the mods is that they tend to go like really far the other way and you have like these desks with like curly legs and yeah yeah and all just this detail. absurdly like, detailed stuff yeah. yeah like just give me something that looks like a table it doesn't even a pedestal table is fine it doesn't even have to be round i just would like it to be you know short enough that i can still put a flower pot or a lamp on top of it you know and and go from there and i actually i ran into a spot where i had to use torches on uh, fence posts where i really wanted to use lanterns mm -hmm. yeah <laughs> i was just like yeah. <laughs> mental note i'm fixing that when 1.14 comes yes. out yes not to, not to mention once the uh the lectern gets added then you can have a guest book for the inn <laughs> yeah so well, i've been doing a lot of decorating i feel like you've been doing the opposite yeah i've been um getting mystical agriculture going in sky factory so i've been doing the terraforming side of things and actually building a landscape that i can put stuff on which has been fun. Um, Mystical Agriculture is one of my favorite mods in Sky Factory because it basically gives you access to everything once you can make flowers that will grow it. So li literally all you need in the case of like, if you want to grow iron, you need four iron ingots and some of this stuff called Inferium, which is just like a modded uh, essence block, basically. And then you can create a plant that grows iron essence for you. And then from that, you just put eight of that in a crafting interface and you get yourself, I think, six iron ingots or something like that. So now I'm at the point where resources are becoming much less scarce and mm. all of the mods are kind of working for me to make all of this stuff. And of course, the first thing I do to the utter confusion of everybody watching me is make a bunch more dirt and a bunch more stone so I can build a bigger island. <laughs> and so, yeah, I'm, I'm slowly landscaping this place so that it actually looks like Minecraft terrain or, you know, my own version of Minecraft terrain where I'm building everything from scratch. And people are like, why are you doing all of this? You know, normally people get into like nuclear reactors at this point. And I'm like, guys, relax. I've got this. I want to build a greenhouse for all my new plants. And then, you know, we're going to get going from there. I think the next step is to build what I typically call horrible computers because oh, it's the, the mod is just so intricate and stuff and requires oh, you to yeah. make all of these circuits and stuff before you can make a computer. But it's one of those computers that when you open it up, it can store, you know, hundreds of thousands of items for you all in a compact space. Like it's, it's basically creating hard disk storage for you in the game so that you can manage right. your inventory as though it's a single enormous chest and get rid of all of those you know cluttery chests that have been strewn about your island for the last however mm. long so i'm i'm kind of looking forward to getting that done it'll it'll make things a little bit easier but i kind of want to build one of those inside of a giant computer in a kind of hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy deep thought sort of thing where it's just a giant representation of a computer that just has this tiny little interface on the front that i can <laughs> talk to 
Nice. But uh, back in vanilla, I've been focusing a little bit he- more heavily on the Minecraft survival guide lately because it's been doing really well. Like a lot of people have been very complimentary about that series. They've said, oh, great. You know, either like they're new to the game and they're like, oh, I never knew you could do this. And like it's kind of helping them through the progression or they're people who are familiar with the game but have said, I watched this series anyway because it's kind of great to see some stuff that I may have missed in learning to play Minecraft myself. And mm-hmm. yeah, there's there's something in it for everybody. So I've been focusing on that, building a nether hub, um, and it's gone from a series of pathways to something more resembling a castle now. So connecting that to the stronghold is the next thing. And the stronghold actually connects through the nether fortress. So I think I'm probably going to terraform or kind of rebuild a bunch of the nether fortress to look a bit more like the castle that I've got going on already. Nice. So when you build nether tunnels and nether hubs, like do you decorate the tunnels? Do you color code them? Do you pick a pattern that's like, you know, five, seven or nine blocks long and just repeat it? Or do you just or do you do something else entirely? That's that's typically what I do. Yeah, the the latter of those. I, I tend to just pick like a, a walkway kind of style that means that I won't be able to just jump over the edge everywhere. Um mm-hmm. and 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 something that's relatively ghast proof. I think this castle is probably one of the more ornate style things i've ever done but it's just a castle corridor right now it's got a red carpet it's got you know four block wide walkways and you know fences and a little bit of sort of archways either side of it just all sealed in with wool and stone brick and Mm. that's coming together pretty well i do want to actually turn it into something more like a large build rather than just being a series of corridors but i'm not sure quite when i'm going to do that because i still want to move the you know, progression of the series along and kind of get to fighting the Ender Dragon and the Wither and everything like right. that. So that's going to take well, shape something. slowly. That's something you... The Nether Hub thing is always something that you need it to be functional at the beginning and then you come back to it later and make it look a little bit nicer. And the regret that I have with some of our tunnels is that we didn't do... Um, like, either by luck of the draw or by choice as, as to where we put them is that we tunneled through things as opposed to building out over stuff. Yeah. And it's way more entertaining to have like a glass roof tunnel where you can see out into the nether and there's like lava lakes and stuff like yeah. that. I was, I was reminded of this because we were, um, Matt Cast and a couple of guys in the server, uh, were talking about doing a Mesa build. And so on, on the stream the other day, I, I went to the Mesa, which is like a thousand or more blocks in the nether, uh, to get there. And I haven't been in a long time and it's, it's all open road. It's all open cobblestone. So it won't get blown up, but there's nothing to protect you. You just kind of like take a speed potion and go. Yeah. And I just remember thinking like, man, it's just, it's, it's a long slog if you have to do it a lot, but it's just, it's nice. It's a nice break from walking down a five by five tunnel of like netherrack or, yeah. or stone or whatever you've got going on. And as I, I much prefer, you know, more scenic, um, tunnels. So I think the next time I do any kind of nether building, I'm going to try and keep it as open as I can for as long as I can. I mean, obviously at some point you might have to block stuff off so you don't get blown up, but uh, it's one of those things that I, once you've got some glass down, like I do really like the idea of being able to see, to see out into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, for, for me, the, the mistake that I made was the nether hub looks really good from the inside. Yeah. When you're approaching the nether hub from the outside, you're like, wow, what is going on <laughs> it's here? It's just this There's mess just of a, weird blocky shapes and like... A whole lot of everything, yeah. yeah. And I mean, it would be a simple thing to fix. Like I would just have to go out, just give a perimeter, a perimeter farther than the inside walls and yeah. just kind of like build something up and have it just be like pretty uniform, either, you know, cylindrical or something tower-esque or, 
or something and have it look like, oh, okay, that's obviously the hub, easy to see from far away, that sort of thing. Um, but we just, uh, it's one of those things that is such a big build. Yes. <laughs> just, I yeah. just haven't done it. It's always a battle between aesthetics and functionality as well. Like you're supposed to, it, it, look yeah. as, it looks good from the inside and you're not supposed to leave it <laughs> when it comes to a nether hub because it's just meant to go from portal to portal. But then when you actually want to go out into the nether, if you want some quartz or some glowstone or anything yeah. like that, you inevitably come across like, oh yeah, this section looks really ugly from the other side because from the inside, it looks like it has depth in the walls, which means from the outside, there's just a bunch of chunky sections that are sticking out from the side of it and don't really yeah, look like anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And our nether hub looks basically like, it looks like a it looks like a box with a bunch of spokes and yeah. and the spokes only go 50 blocks. Like there's there's enough for two nether portals. So like there's the nether portal in the middle and then there's another nether portal like kind of at the at the limit of the uh, uh overworld where it's just too far to go but it's cl still close enough to the same like Dartmouth Meadows build so it's a fast way to travel from like north to south in of the same area uh, but then after that after that second portal you're just open nether it's just cobblestone like walkways and and hope <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah <laughs> is all you have so when you're approaching from any of those other places like you're coming back from the end or the jungle or mesa or wherever like a lot of it is just open road well i think we can uh pop into the news and talk about the snapshot that always drops about two days after we finish our last podcast <laughs> certainly uh, does yeah so this is snapshot 18w47a slash b which i don't think i knew there was a b to it yeah i think there was uh, just a couple of bug fixes in the b snapshot bug fixes, this week okay. okay yeah so no new features and stuff like that but uh like it's it. pretty pretty straightforward uh there wasn't uh, a lot really outlined in the snapshot they were more cryptic this week uh but they had things like um world gen performance improvements uh adjusting mob spawning behavior uh closer to 1.13.2 uh more japa texture changes uh they also had some things like um they just kind of said like, you know, some block textures have changed based on feedback. They didn't actually say which ones you kind of had to go and look for them. Mm -hmm. uh, but the bigger things I'd say would be the pillager outposts, excuse me, and the addition of raids for pillagers as well. Yes. Uh, I went in and looked at stuff, but I didn't actually play. So what did you discover about the pillagers? Uh, I, I really like pillager outposts, first of all. Uh, a bunch they do of pillagers. Look cool. Yeah, they, they seem to kind of spawn more heavily around that area in much the same way that witches spawn in witch huts, which is what I would have expected from pillagers. So that's kind of cool. Um, I'm not certain quite like what their radius is with regards to villages because the whole idea behind pillagers is that they have this interactive element with villagers which we'll get to in a second but when i went to find my first pillager outpost it's actually quite easy to find them if you're in a creative world you can just use the slash locate command and it will have a pillager outpost command kind of tagged onto that so you oh, can nice. very easily find one just kind of hop to the coordinates in in your world mine was probably 500 blocks diagonal away from the nearest village so i'm not entirely certain how you're meant to you know travel between the two like if, if those two are meant to have any kind of interaction but i have seen a bunch of very funny screenshots kind of similar to last week's end city spawning on the main island i've seen screenshots of pillager outposts that spawn right up against like the walls of village houses they're, they're literally kind of like they, they've almost replaced a a house in the village or they're kind of halfway through a building and usually these are posted with the caption i'm not sure about the new neighbors they seem a bit pushy <laughs> you know <laughs> just running around with crossbows but yeah. uh yeah the the pillager outposts are good looking they're consistent with the blocks and the style of building that you find in woodland mansions which i think is a great move 
because mm-hmm. it really ties together illagers and pillagers, but makes the pillagers the kind of more, you know, raiding nomadic ones where the illagers are the recluses, you know, the vindicators mm-hmm. that live in the, the big house with the axes. Um, but yeah, you, you find the kind of cross shape of the log end textures that you find in the walls of a woodland mansion is replicated on the, the tower of the, the pillager outpost. And nice. it, it looks really good. It, it actually feels like a good detailed structure, especially when contrasted with the way regular villages are now, which is all fairly basic. It's all kind of oak wood and cobblestone kind of structures. So, mm-hmm. so I like them a lot. Uh, they also spawn with an iron golem in a cage sometimes or a tent filled with pumpkins, which is fun because it almost implies that if they're gathering pumpkins, maybe they're trying to make some of their own iron golems because they've seen that the villagers have them. And I don't know if you let that iron golem free. I presume it will attack the pillagers. So it kind of lends almost like um, like the animals that, in cages that you find in the Far Cry games, where you can just kind of open the cage from a distance and just let it wreak havoc on all of the, the terrorists that are occupying a, right. a, an outpost. It could kind of be the same thing with the pillagers. Just let this iron golem out and let it, you know, throw all of these pillagers into the air. Yeah, assist you in your in your attack on the on the pillager yeah. post. Interesting. I, I I agree with you on how they look. I think that they look very default Minecraft, but they also are not boring. Like they they they're taking that step farther than what we've known to be default villages for such a long time. Yes. Uh, they they seem a lot nicer in that regard. And but yet they're still plain enough that they invite the player to be like, hey, you exactly. can improve me. Like here's an idea, but you could easily make it look a little bit fancier yeah. uh they're also at this moment from the video that i watched uh quite empty on the inside yes yeah there is one chest at the top of the tower which actually has a little bit of loot in it um it all seems to be loot like related to pillagers as well some people have said they get kind of feathers and crossbows and stuff in there the one i had had some food and a couple of bottles of enchanting which is cool i don't think they really appear that often in other loot chests so it's good to find those out there in the world and you know that's an item that you can normally only get from trading with a priest villager i think so kind of cool to uh to have those findable if it's not going to be a spawner like if it's not like a dungeon as such then at least there is kind of some some reward there some small reward but yeah loot like that is always going to be a little bit weird to balance in minecraft because Mm -hmm. you you don't want to just give the player absolutely everything but then there is very little that the players can't ultimately farm themselves and therefore anything you find in a loot chest can't really be all that unique so yeah yeah i think a couple of a couple of free crossbows is not a not a bad thing to find actually yeah no that would be a good idea like find their um their armory you know like they have a bunch of bunch of stuff in there i i think too that you could um you could easily use these uh, for loot tables. Like we know that people are using data packs to uh, augment loot tables. And yeah. what I like about this is that it, it gives you a place that is not just hard to find, but hard to access. Like a buried treasure map, that's eh, all fine and good. But once you find the treasure map, like you just have to dig the chest out and you've got whatever's in it. Yes. Whereas with this, it's like, no, 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 you find it. But if you're playing survival, like you've got to get through however many waves of vill- of, uh, of illagers pillagers excuse me uh, spawn <laughs> yeah just, all the all the illagers yeah i kind of it, it's point. it's fun in a way but in other ways it's like god could you call them something else yes yeah <laughs> uh but but yeah like when when the pillagers spawn like if if a lot spawn like that's not going to be easy because the crossbows are pretty rapid fire and then there's six or eight of these guys and it's just you yeah then then i think there's going to be you know it's going to be a, a tricky 
thing to get into, especially early game. If you're, I mean, end game maybe not, but but early game if you don't have decent armor and a crossbow yourself, like it could be um, quite a challenge. Yeah, you're not you're uh, not going to be raiding this one and turning it into your base on the first day unless you're, yeah. you know, very good with a shield and a stone sword at that stage. Yeah. Although, hey, man, talk about a great base for early game if you can get one and oh, yeah, have it. Like, sure. once you put a, a door in the bottom, like, mob-proof, you've got height advantage on any zombies or skeletons trying to get at you. Like, man, it would be... That's a fantastic, like, insta-home, right? And, and like you said, a nice empty room that you've got plenty of room to put all of your early crafting yep. stations and stuff around. Invites yeah, sure. the player in, for sure. Yeah, 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 Lots of room for chests and things and all that. Uh, and, and, and tall enough that you could even put, like, a water elevator in it for quick, you know, quick jaunt to the top to defend mm-hmm. your defend your ground. Uh, the one thing that I found confusing about this update and how it works, and I'm hoping you might be able to shed some light on it, is the bad omen and like killing the the pillager leader yes because it just it didn't make any sense to me yeah um so a bad omen is a new status effect that only happens to you once you've killed a pillager leader and is the effect that triggers a raid when you walk into a village so the idea is that you get the bad omen status effect from taking out a pillager patrol there is one leader who i think has a banner attached to him and if you kill that guy the status effect will cause a raid to happen if you walk into a village. I haven't done enough experimentation with this mechanic to see if it's a timed status effect. I do know that you can remove it with milk the same way you can with other status effects. So apparently you're fine as long as you get your daily dose of calcium. But <laughs> um, yeah, the, the bad omen thing is just a means to trigger the raid on the village. And villagers oh, okay. start to run away from you. Am I getting that right? I think that's... You, so the, and that's the part that I was confused. I'm just like, yeah. okay, wait a minute. You've just killed the, the, the pillager leader, the big yeah. bad guy. It feels and like they should the be kind of congratulating are, you, yeah, right? Like, yeah. You should be mobbed by villagers. Like, you should be up on their <laughs> shoulders. Like, why are they running from you? Like, you just did the thing. I mean, I guess on one side, like, the, I mean, the villagers do not strike me as the brightest, you know, yeah, uh, crayon true. in the box. So it's like, he's he's he or she is so bad that they've just killed the baddest thing around. So now we have to run from them because they're even better. Yeah. And I, I don't yeah. know. I, th- uh, I think that, it's okay, more like so, you've, you've been marked for death almost kind the, of thing. Like it's and meant so to be the a pillagers curse. are tracking you. Yeah, okay. That, yeah. that sort of makes sense. So that to me sounds like the the raids are going to be something that you instigate, not something that happens on their own that then you have to defend. Yeah. And, and this kind of feeds into the chunk mail from this week. So I think we should probably get into that before we get too yeah. far into pillager raids because... Absolutely. Yeah, this, this, this week's chunk mail had a, uh, had, had a theme along that, those lines and it's also going to feed into our main discussion topic for this week. So, sure, uh, yeah. So we'll do it... this in, in two parts. It's mm-hmm. from Beck. Yeah. Uh, and he says, Hel- hey there, uh, I just started listening to the Spawn Chunks and I just finished the fifth episode, the one about storage. I don't have any screenshots, but spent some time creating a pseudo-automated farm from ba- for bamboo it's mostly just a uh, minecraft hopper that travels along rails to pick up the bamboo that i harvested i have two questions one what do you think about pillager patrols and then the other one is about farming which we'll get to later uh but for pillager patrols um i am a little bit disappointed that you have to like hit go for pillager mm-hmm. for well, the so wait, wait a minute for the raids so he's talking yeah. about patrols hmm so yeah, patrols I- make sense to me yes yeah you know they they spawn at the what's it called the tower what's it called oh yeah the, the outpost yeah they, they spawn at the outpost but after they spawn i don't know enough about them do they just wander freely like normal mobs like can they just yeah, walk around they, 
They do. I don't know if they really stay within a radius. I haven't experimented with it enough to really see what right. they what their like AI has changed to be. But yeah. Uh, yeah, I feel like they do just sort of wander around. I I definitely saw them getting you know tens of blocks away from the from the outpost while I was right. flying around it in creative. So it kind of makes me wonder, like, if you're in the area, if you're in enough chunks that this thing is loaded all the time, if it's just constantly loading um, pillagers, and if those patrols would, I'm assuming they would probably operate under the same sort of mechanics as regular mobs. Like, if they're more than 32 blocks away, then they'll not move, and if they're, you know, more than 128 blocks away, then they'll despawn automatically and stuff like that. I mean, those are all assumptions, but because I can't, mm. I can't see them really changing that specifically for these guys but um but it does kind of question like with patrols like if you are close enough to these things if it just kind of keeps on churning out pillages and they keep on doing patrols um i like the idea of running into a bunch of mobs you know because one of the things that i would say is i won't see a complaint but something that i feel could be a little bit better about the game is some medium level survival challenge yeah Uh, once you get to the point where you know creepers and skeletons are really not a big deal then nothing really phases you mm-hmm. uh in, yeah. in the overworld but if you're if you're out exploring looking for a new place to build something and even if you've got all your decent gear on and you run into five of these guys like you you're <laughs> probably going to win but you're not going to be able to go in there you know sword swinging and without thinking like you're yes. you're going to have to have a strategy you're probably going to have to cut, put some distance and figure out what's going on and if there's more than five like if you stumble upon an outpost like that takes you might have to retreat like you might mm-hmm. have to back up and really think about what you're doing so i, I like that addition it's also um, going to be a good signifier of like an outpost is nearby if you happen to run into them but you haven't noticed oh, from a yeah. distance that the outpost is there you're like oh pillagers wait i should look around here because they'll look have around yeah what's yeah. what's their what's their range like how far can they actually wander yeah 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 i wonder if it's similar to like because passive mobs will just they'll just wander forever you mm-hmm. know like i've i've had a, a llama that i've tamed and and they've gotten loose from the pen and they've they've walked a thousand blocks like yeah <laughs> you know they just wander all over the place so i'm wondering if if that's might be the case with um with pillagers i with raids just to kind of spin off of patrols i am a little disappointed that it's something that you have to like kind of quote unquote hit the raid button i was kind of hoping that it would be something that you'd have to deal with like either as a timed thing or i can't remember what the name of the mod was in your harmony pack uh oh blood moon but blood moon yeah Yeah. so that i thought was really cool because it was like every there's a certain number of of days or cycles or something that would go by and then you'd have to deal with essentially a raid yeah and and i would i would prefer it to be that but that's just me i'm sure there's there's something to be said for younger newer players that don't necessarily want that to happen yeah younger players newer players and if it's a random event then there's nothing to really stop it happening within the first night of your world when you're not really prepared for it and right you you kind of get screwed over pretty quickly yeah Uh, so i think it's really ultimately a balance between what they've said their their strategy is when it comes to big events like that and the reason they haven't included stuff like natural disasters in minecraft this was i'm quoting paraphrasing at least from the developer panel they did at the end of minecon was um yeah they they want the player to be the trigger for events like that happening if there is potential for it to do some great harm they want the Mm. player to at least you know put the last wither head on the thing that summons the wither so they know what they're getting into and so the bad omen thing i think is a a way of the player being able to control something like that so they don't have to have their village immediately wrecked as soon as they stumble upon this village they've been looking for for ages. Because, you know, 
lest we forget, the average player is not necessarily going to be looking up the locations of village on a mapping tool. They're probably just going to stumble into one, especially if they're on platforms which don't have such great mapping tools. I've actually been told there is a good one for bedrock editions of the game. Uh, some folks on the Survival Guide episodes told me that there is a, a mapping tool that will help you find certain biomes in Bedrock, but may not necessarily be able to help you find villages. So if you just stumble into one of these, you think, great, finally some stuff like some villages that I can trade with and let me lock this place down and actually get a villager breeder going and stuff like that. And then as soon as you get there, a pillager patrol comes through and wipes out the entire village, you're back to square one. And, mm. you know, obviously there is the option of curing zombie villages and stuff like that, but it's it's a bit of a pain when you can just find them and have easy access to a bunch of trades right off the bat. So I think the raid mechanic, while it's not necessarily going to appeal, appeal to everybody and people want the Minecraft world to have some sort of agency of its own, I think giving the players agency over it is probably a a good thing for the holistic experience of Minecraft for absolutely everybody who wants to play. Mm-hmm. So the thing I think about these is if you add a few traps to the village and make sure the villagers themselves are protected, you've basically turned survival Minecraft into a tower defense game. Because what happens when you go in with a bad omen is a raid starts, a kind of boss health bar appears, and then waves of stuff attacks you. So you can almost turn that into some kind of like survival-based minigame where you're in the center of a village, all of these mobs are roaming around, they're trying to get to you, and you can set up, you know, dispensers with arrows in, magma blocks for them to walk over, like lava nice. pits and stuff like mm. that. You can actually turn it into something of a minigame. And I I like the the potential for stuff like that happening. And maybe you have to protect your villagers pretty heavily, you know, put them in cells and stuff so that they're not going to actually get attacked and killed. Or you could use them to bait the pillagers to specific areas where they would get hit by the traps. Um, so I, 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 I like I like the potential for stuff like that. It, it kind of, it, in terms of end game stuff, the stuff that you might pe- see people doing on larger survival servers when they're making YouTube yeah. content and stuff, it, it can provide an interesting minigame mechanic. You just oh, have to sure. find and kill a couple of pillager patrol leaders in order to get the bad omen in the first place, which might be the, oh. the difficult part. I'm telling you, all, I am changing the default name of any of my nitwit villagers to bait. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yes, you're the you're the fodder, exactly. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. Um, like, what's your job here, dummy? You stand here. Yes, <laughs> that's and it. Yep, that's all you have to do. <laughs> so, some players on Reddit have been kind of my source for most of the information about this because I haven't had too much time to play around in the snapshot, and I don't look at these mechanics as in depth because the ideas don't necessarily occur to me right at the time. But hmm. they've um, used the commands that you can apply effects to yourself, and they've, you know ratcheted up the bad omen level until it's like level five or so as though you've killed five or six pillager patrol leaders and they've said that the waves just don't end after a certain (laughs) point like there's just constant enemies coming through and later waves mean that you have um different types of mobs turning up so an evoker as though from a woodland mansion will turn up as part of the wave occasionally it seems to randomize the amount of other mobs that arrive um, which in theory, for, for one thing, makes Totems of Undying a farmable resource because normally you can only get them from going to a woodland mansion and killing the two or three evokers that spawn in there. Right. Whereas if you trigger a raid and you get an evoker turning up, then that's a free one for you that you haven't even had to go to a woodland mansion to get. Um, yeah, in theory, it makes Totems of Undying farmable. It potentially makes emeralds farmable which is a fun thing, like beyond the level that you can farm them just by trading with villagers, it's a fun extension of the ways you can already get emeralds. And I yeah. like that as a, as a mechanic. It, it provides some more access to 
something that we already have, but it's another way of getting it. Yeah, and I, I can see if the if the mechanics of the uh, pillager outpost work the same way of say like a, a witch hut, then there's going to be all kinds of different ways that you could potentially, quote unquote, farm. You know. Yes farm these guys and, and have them give the drops and i like the idea I, um, part of me likes the idea of like lava pits with trap doors across them and as you're running from the pillager raids you can kind of like click the trap doors and they're going to follow you over them but then you're like well wait a minute i might want the thing that he drops so maybe yeah, magma yeah. blocks instead of lava <laughs> yes, less dramatic yes. but more more uh more practical i guess or dro drop them through a lava blade like you would in an iron golem farm that kind of thing like just oh yeah that'd be set, really set cool. them on fire just a little bit <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, we even we even have a new we even have a new um, a new block. Even if it's not functional in this sense, we could have the stone cutter lining the bottom of the <laughs> just pit. A bunch of right? circular saws. A bunch of circular saws. Like yeah. Indiana Jones, these guys. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> oh, oh man. See, now I want a boulder. Now I want a boulder run in Minecraft. I want something that I can roll down a hill and chase the, the pillagers <laughs> I, away. I'm, I'm imagining that being like one of the mossy cobblestone boulders that you find in Mega Tigers, and just like <laughs> how awkward yeah. it looks rolling with those kind of cubic sides. But, oh yeah, uh, have yeah. it like be a bit like in in chunks, like have it just like not really roll down a hill, but almost walk down a hill, like bonk, yes, bonk, 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 bonk. <laughs> like, yeah, and, and then and then you kind of cut to camera angle, cuts to the other side of it, and it's just a bunch of pistons pushing it, and like slime block <laughs> flying machines. Anyway, <laughs> we're getting nice. we're getting a little distracted by a little design, design. designing well, let's, let's traps bring it in, here. Let's bring it into some of the aesthetic changes that happened. Uh, Lady Agnes posted a shot of a potential new. Uh, village in a savanna biome mm -hmm. and this was actually brought to our attention in our discord chat so thank you very much uh discordians much appreciated uh we also have a tweet from japa recently which i missed uh yeah, where that he was earlier today some, i believe yeah posted some changes to cobblestone uh mm -hmm. so I, we can quickly talk about cobblestone because one i think it's not a good change and two i really wish that people would be clearer when they're posting stuff like this like it took somebody else to actually say this is the old one and this is the new one <laughs> yeah yeah because I think he, he, he posted so the images the wrong way around the first time yeah uh, so yeah it was like new and then old rather than being old and then new um, and i get excited because the new is not better than the old the old was nicer and it's like oh yeah. so you're the, like the oh you kind of really smooth things up a little bit and it's like actually no you've you've changed it so no, it's you've added more noise it yeah, looks yeah more like minecraft 1.0 so no <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, so not I to be it, harsh but it's one yeah. of those things that was fine <laughs> it, it's it's one of those things it's going to be different to other people i think one of the uh notes that he had on there was a, like a list that he posted of like stuff he was going to tweak and i think it was making more blocks kind of 3d and i think that's what he's tried to do with this cobblestone texture and you know your mileage may vary on whether or not you think it's successful i personally don't mind it but right now i'm just working with cobblestone looks really kind of different in terms of the formation of the stones in it than it does in the current default and i'm just gonna wait and see if i like it when the final version is done because i i don't know i don't build with cobble often enough to really call it like a no problem for what, the stuff i build with i'm more concerned with smooth stone because i build with smooth stone more i think more, yeah. i like those flat surfaces but yeah cobble is something that i'll throw into a build here and there and this one, yeah, like you say, it looks a little bit more noisy. It looks like there's more kind of indentations in the stone and things like that. And whether or not you think that's a good thing is, you know, it's it's a subjective thing, but it's something that people will pour over in terms of the the mm. details they want in their builds or, or maybe yeah. want left out of their builds, as the case may be. Yeah. The changes that happened in the actual snapshot were, from what I could tell, mostly logs and planks. Uh, yes. Both of which are an improvement. 
Um, yeah. He and it was something that we've mentioned before on the podcast, where we feel like things are being cranked, and then now they're being dialed back. Yes, and that's precisely what they were doing with the logs. He like the, the logs; they really didn't change much. It was like taking the darkest darks in the logs and just not even changing the location of the pixels, just like just lightening them up a little bit, mm-hmm. and so it keeps the same rough texture, but it doesn't look quite as uh, harsh, I guess, not as high contrast. And it, I mean, it works. It's, it's an improvement, it's, but it's not, it's not something that makes your head spin and go, whoa, what happened? Yeah. You know, what the, happened to logs? The planks, I think, are a nice middle ground between the version 3.1, which looked very kind of matte, uh, yep. and, and the ones from, I think, version 2, which were like really far back, uh, yep. as far as I can remember, but looked like they had more highlights in them. Yeah. And so it, yeah. it tends to look a little bit more 3D while still kind of feeling like a smoothish surface. It's not like, what you I, know. Yeah, what I feel is going on is the opposite of what he did with the cobblestone. Like he he's he's added the texture and variance where it's needed, but then the top surfaces have been smoothed out so that it's a clear this is a plank. Like you can see the edges of the plank, you can see the top of the plank. But when you're looking at the top of the plank, there's not so much texture that you're confused as to what's flat and what's not. And that's what I feel like they 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 did with the cobblestone is that he added more dithering more anti-aliasing and it changed it it changed the clear communication of like this is the shape of this stone to like i don't even know where the top of the stone is mm-hmm. and and i feel like that he did some uh, the, the good work happening with the planks i still feel like there's a foggy part in like the top right hand corner and i can i can't unsee it uh <laughs> and so i'm that to me is is but it's just it's it's just a matter of like taking a couple of pixels in in the crevice of the planks and darkening them up. And I feel like that would be a big improvement, but I mean, we can get into the, all this kind of stuff and it's a, it's a rat hole that I will not let myself go down. <laughs> yeah. uh, however, I do really like the information that's being communicated about the new villages. I think it's, it's cool to see some different takes. They're different shaped houses they're different colors. Uh, we had a comment in our discord about not being in love with the yellow terracotta as a wall block in the village build. And uh, we'll have pictures of all this kind of stuff and links yeah. in the show notes, by the way, for people that are that are curious. Um, I, I like to, especially if there's a, a a tweet that has an image attached, I'll usually have the either the tweet embedded or the image just in a gallery that you can look at on the website. Um, I don't hate the yellow concrete; wouldn't be yeah. my first choice, but at the same time, I can appreciate the fact that they're trying to use default vanilla blocks that would be not necessarily found in the area, but you would imagine that if I was to build, you know, huts out of savanna material, that they would be kind of earthy. Like yeah, you're not going to have bright, bright white walls and stuff. The savannas already have that yellowish kind of grass color. So I think yellow yeah. is something that looks a little bit more natural there. When I was building in a savanna in season three of Decidedly Vanilla, I used a lot of terracotta in that, but it was green mm-hmm. kind of colors and acacia wood and kind of using like a, nice. a bit more of a kind of color contrast in those. And I feel like this is trying to go with more of a warm color palette. And I think, yeah, they're, they're looking... I, I like the, the differences in the designs of the houses, more so than the materials that they're, yeah. they're using. I'm looking at the designs and thinking, yeah, that Lots stuff actually looks looks at home in a savannah, in a warmer climate. They've got a little bit more air to them. It's not like yep. the kind of like steepled roof kind of houses that you get in a normal village. Like everything has more of a, a flat roof and maybe an overhang. And that stuff looks great. I think they're doing a really good job of making them look like they fit the environment more and it's getting me excited to see what the other villages end up looking like once the complete overhaul has happened yeah and i'm only really seeing maybe two houses that look the same 
Yeah. Most of them, most of them are different or they're the same design, but then there's uh, orange terracotta versus yellow terracotta. So it's the same build shape, but it's got a different color. Lots of uses of acacia fences and of course, acacia slabs and stuff for what the roofs are made of, which makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, lots of cool patterns, uh, unique features that we've not seen in any villages before, like a fountain in the middle. Yes, We've and got... if you look if you look closely, there are bells positioned either side of that fountain as well. Yep. So yep. they're, they're resting on blocks barrels, in the corners. Barrels up against some of the buildings. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a building that's on stilts. Like there's a similar to how like a witch hut is up in the air. This yes. one has got fence posts that it's got it's up in the air. The thing that I find um, odd, I don't know whether it's a good thing or a bad thing, but the the farming land in the in the area is not framed up and and kind of tiered up like it is in current villages it's just kind of like some farm is some land is just kind of tilled with water just kind of it. casually hoed yeah yeah it's it's a little it's a little helter skelter and i don't know whether that i mean in the, in the long run that's probably going to be good because it's going to be less disruptive to the landscape you're going to be able to fit a farm into a villager generate a village generation without really creating these big chunks you know mm-hmm. in the land um but on the other side it also feels at the current it feels a little bit disorganized like it's like the 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 village feels quite sophisticated but the farmland feels like they don't know what they're doing yeah um and the, the, there's the, also the a grass, dock yeah there's there's a dock there the grass paths are, are looking a little bit more helter skelter as well so that may be kind of like the the aesthetic that they're, they're not building as much sort of you know regimented farming with these kind of villages they're kind of making mm-hmm. it look a little bit more natural might be the idea and yep. yeah, you can yeah debate how effective you think that is, but I, I think it's it's at least adding a different vibe to this village, which I find really interesting. And mm-hmm. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing if like various villages have maybe a different approach to farming yeah. when it comes to this stuff, like how much variation they can put into that. It would be really cool if like savanna villages and jungle villages are maybe a little bit more like hut like and and rural, whereas maybe dark oak or or oak plains villages maybe they're a little bit more organized with straighter roads and you know different shaped buildings there's no church in this picture mm-hmm. um so like it, it, i if they're changing the way that villages are generated maybe they're also going to give us some variation between the different biome villages as in like the ki- type of villages the state of organization that kind of stuff anyway yeah. it's all it's really cool to see i like it's the kind of thing that they're just they're opening opening up the curtain to show where they're going. And to me, it all looks, you know, unique and fun. I think you're still going to run into weird situations where like one of these things is going to, you know, spawn across the top of a ravine and one of the houses is going to be like half gone. And like that kind of stuff, I think is inevitable, inevitable, but mm-hmm. um, it uh, it's neat to see at this point. Uh, but I think what we can do now is maybe move on to the other half of our email um, from Beck. And uh, speaking of farming, as a matter of fact, yeah. uh, Beck wanted to know what our thoughts were about automated farming. Uh, specifically, wanted to know what we like and do not like about existing materials uh, for automated farming and what about automated farming in Minecraft we would add or change. Uh, looking forward to the next episode, Beck. Uh, well, thanks for writing in, Beck, and, and appreciate the the excellent um, feedback and uh, and topics, suggestions for the show. Uh, we're actually just going to talk about automated farming for the main topic this week. Yeah, um, I, I've only recently got into automating stuff. Um, I, I'm in the habit of doing things manually um, because I don't always think ahead, I feel like. Um, I tend to focus on how much of a resource I need at the present moment rather than how much I need in the future. And... 
as I've adapted my building style and my kind of style of play to larger scale projects, I've started to see the value of resource farms and kind of like high intensity uh, automated farms. So I'm getting into that on, I'd say a small to medium scale. I don't build like enormous things that are going to produce 10,000 drops in a minute or, you know, the, any, any of the kind mm-hmm. of the, the stuff that you tend to see, like the Psycraft guys making, or like I, I tend not to make farms that are on a scale for supplying an entire server, which I think is something that you've done with the stuff you build in Dartmouth Meadows is here's a pumpkin farm, here's a melon farm. Everybody can just take whatever they want because it's always producing stuff for the entire server. I typically yeah. do single serving kind of like one player size farms having said that there are certain resources that once you have a little bit of it you have too much which is cactus as an example so (laughs) cactus is one of the first things i automated on this season of decidedly vanilla and i have not used nearly any of it but it's just one of those things that it's nice to have a lot of because Mm -hmm. i plan to make a lot of cyan dye and things like that so if i if i want it i've got it and that's kind of the the ethos with automated farms really is not only just showing off the stuff that you can do technically in Minecraft, but, you know, being able to have that stuff at your fingertips whenever you need it so it stops becoming the the barrier to building something new. Um, uh, yeah, I like automation because it allows me to focus on building. So I'm I'm into it lately. Uh, so I've automated sugarcane, cactus. Uh, we've got a big ink farm, which is a server-sized ink farm because I know a lot of people have been grabbing ink from that when they need it. Uh, pumpkins and melons and slime. Slime is another one that's really useful to have because you tend mm-hmm. to use sticky pistons and slime blocks and stuff like that, even just for decoration. Those are nice to have. Um, yeah, I remember we, we I helped Matcast build uh, the first slime farm on the server uh way back it was really early he kind of discovered it as he was just kind of like exploring underneath his home figuring out where he could mine and realized that he had a slime chunk so he wanted to figure out like okay what can we actually do with this and i think he ended up having two or three in 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 a very small area so he worked out how to make a slime farm and i think it was one of the first shops that he opened up there was two one was a pumpkin farm or pumpkin shop because he needed all the pumpkins to make iron golems for the slime farm. And then mm-hmm. he realized he had more pumpkins than he knew what to do with. So he opened up like a pumpkin pie store. Yeah. Um, and, and then the other one was, of course, was slime. He was just like, I want quartz and I have slime. And early on in the server, that was an easy trade. <laughs> it was like yeah. sweet because I did not have any sticky pistons that aid in all of the automation that I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the thing the thing about farms for me is that there is a tendency for technical players to just find whatever the most efficient farm design is and reproduce it. Mm-hmm. And I always find that it is overkill, at least for what I want. Again, if you're building something that's the size for the server, then yeah, maybe overkill it a little bit, especially if your server is super active. But mm-hmm. I prefer not to do that because it tends to rely on you know other people's tutorials, other people's you know, findings. Uh, other people kind of experimenting with the mechanics and stuff like that. And I find that if you're just reproducing the latest farm by Il Mango or Nembon or Raiseworks or anybody who creates those big farms, uh, the only thing that sets your farm apart at that point is how you decorate it. Like it's just the aesthetics, it's not the farm itself. And I personally, I'm the kind of person who likes to take pride in I've done something that feels new. It kind of, uh, as far as like being a YouTube creator is concerned, it gives people something that they haven't seen before other than just the decoration of the outside of it. So I prefer, you know, being able to design my own thing and puzzle my way through it. And that's how I learn. Like the other part of it is if I'm just following a tutorial, I can't learn how it works that way. It's like becoming an, it's like saying you're an artist when all you do is trace other people's art. It's, it mm. just doesn't, it, it shouldn't apply. Like they're two separate things. And I, I feel like learning Redstone 
by puzzling through it myself, knowing sort of the the basic mechanics and then thinking, right, how can I apply that in a, a Minecraft context? And I, I built the creeper farm based on those kind of that that sort of side of the knowledge like knowing how creeper spawning works and the fact that creepers run away from cats and then trying to design a space where with what i already knew creepers could be farmed easily and i may Mm -hmm. well have copied somebody else's creeper farm subconsciously just because that's an easy way of doing it but i haven't gone to another video and designed my farm exactly like theirs that's kind of how i prefer to do things is well there's a sense of pride in that in that too like uh, i remember um Sharky, one of the guys that plays on, on our server, uh, his boys um, figured out some very small like micro farms for melons, pumpkins, and sugarcane mm-hmm. uh, involving like observers and things like that. And there's something, yeah. it, they're crazy, something like, you know, one block by three blocks or some crazy little mo- not, module type things. And they were disappointed when they went online and found out that somebody had actually built it and, and shared the build. But at the same time, uh, I think Sharky was quick to remind them, like, hey, look, you came up with this on your own. Like, yes, it exists, but I mean, there's so many million players playing this game. Like, chances yeah. are your <laughs> idea has already been explored. Even if it's not in an English-speaking video, it might already be out there. Uh, but they, he was like, look, you did, you know that you did not look up how to do this. You did this on your own based on your existing knowledge. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, he was really impressed and proud because, I mean, the, the kids are, I mean, they're smart kids, but I mean, it's it was a technical, technical thing that was beyond him. He had to get them to explain to him how to work. <laughs> yeah. So, I, you know, that was really cool. Um, and for me, like, I, I feel the same way. Like, I, I not to kind of just repeat what all, what you said, but in terms of the aesthetics and the efficiency, what the challenge that I like about automation is that I do see the appeal to some of these larger farms because sometimes they look cool. Like, if you can watch them working where there's like, you know, 30, 40 pistons all firing one after another or yeah. whatever that or happens Or like a to mob be. farm where everything is just constantly falling out of the sky. Yeah. It's like raining mobs on you. That's, raining stuff. That's yeah, fun like, to watch. It's cool. But, and then, but at the same time, you're like, yeah, but I don't, I either don't have enough time to build that or it's such a large thing that it's just like, well, how can I scale that down mm-hmm. to be one, big enough for the server or big enough for me uh, and, but not so big that it's going to take me all week to build it, uh, or that it's going to be so physically large in the game that the only way to hide it is to build a giant box around it Yeah, and, yeah. or, but, or bury it like, or stick it underground. Um, and that's something that we did with our creeper farm. So there's a few things that once we realized we were getting close to end game, we knew we wanted a creeper farm for, uh, gunpowder and for, for rockets. Cause we already had a sugarcane farm, I think was the first thing that I built on the server. Cause they're easy. And um, so the creeper farm is, is built uh, underground. One, because it's a large, the design is a large kind of like block. It's, it's not intricate enough to be super easily hidden. Mm-hmm. But also being low uh, aided in the efficiency of how many creepers are spawning and being harvested. Uh, so what I did though is I thought, well, I don't want to have to go down a ladder and get stuff from a chest, which would be fine. Like you could totally just put your storage system at the bottom and just go get it. So what I did instead was I have an item elevator that takes the items all the way up to the surface and then spits them out into what looks like essentially uh, like a fountain, like like you would see a uh, almost like a water spigot that you would yeah. see in, in, a, in a rural area that you have to pump to get your water so yeah, this like is a just well a kind of thing. yeah this yeah. is like a giant version but instead of spitting out water it spits out it's there's a water flume that spits out um gunpowder nice. and so that to me is the fun part about automation it's like okay item transport item arrival that's the reward for all the hard work of building the automated farm and so i don't want to hide that part and it sometimes i just want to think like what is the most 
ostentatious way that I could have <laughs> items flying around. And like, it's one of the things like I, I have a carrot farm that feeds the villager um, breeder on the server. And it's, mm -hmm. it's a, it's essentially a monorail of carrots just because I want to see the carrots go by. Yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah. I mean, you know, I don't have to do it that way, but it's fun to do it that way. Um, so whenever I build a farm, I'm always thinking like, you know, how can I have this stuff zipping around? And I know it causes a little bit of lag, but uh, for me, my kind of the build, the one big build that I haven't done yet is like this giant pyramid idea where all of the satellite builds around it, uh, the complementary builds all house little farms and they all send items into like north, south, east and west water streams that are all funneling into the giant pyramid mm -hmm. or, or fortress of stuff. And so if, if somebody comes in, as they load the chunks, you're just seeing constant streams of like, you know, sugarcane and gunpowder and like it all depends on what you know, what the farm is making. Um, but I, I find that kind of stuff really challenging, like taking a large farm, like something like a Nembom or, or a Il Mango farm and scaling it down uh, and turning it into something that you can use is really cool. I also like adapting the farm to match the aesthetics. So early on, I was doing a lot of like stained glass and uh, we called it like neon farming because I was always lighting things up. And I would either hide the redstone that really didn't look good or or expose the redstone that was looking cool, like say pistons punching stuff or putting red glass around your uh, water-powered nether wart farm, uh, putting a giant orange column around your pumpkin farm, things like that. Uh, and I found that stuff really, really fun because it means that you're, you're trying to make redstone look good as opposed to just putting a wall in front of it. Mm-hmm. And I find that that's a fun challenge aesthetically with it. Uh, stuff that I don't like about farming. I really have to draw a line in the sand about like the floating mob farms, like the floating iron farms. Like I understand that if you're on a very busy server, like that is the best place to put it is floating and floating it in the sky at you yeah. know 128 blocks or whatever like that. But I yeah. really, it really looks stupid to me and it breaks any <laughs> kind of immersion in Minecraft. It's like the big uh, drowned I, farms where it's there's this giant tank of water in the sky. It's like, well, cool, make that look like a giant tank of water instead of just this weird floating column mm -hmm. with a bunch of slabs over the top of it. Yeah, I, yeah. I like I like being able to make something like that into a big showpiece. Like, you know, if you've got a big floating yeah. farm out there, turn it into an airship or yeah. something. It's what yeah. I've done with my creeper farm. Like the most, you know, convenient place for that is like out in the water away from my mushroom island because nothing is going to spawn on my mushroom island. So I couldn't build it on the land. So I right. built it out over the water and then I was like, this can be the engine of a cruise ship. And then I started building a cruise ship around it. And you can you can do stuff like that. And yes, it's a huge build. So it took an awful lot of time and it's still not done after having probably worked on this for like two months now. But mm -hmm. it it allows it to have context within everything else. And if you've got this thing up in the sky because that's the most efficient place for it, give it a reason to be up in the sky. Yeah. Well, and, that, and that's like, uh, I showcased this actually on the stream the other day. Uh, Jared in the chat wanted to see my gold farm. And because we were running back through the nether, it was quite easy to pop over and take a look at it. So this is your typical donut. I think it's a snow crash design or an yeah. Il, uh, Il Mango modified snow crash design where you you anger a zombie pigman and the zombie pigman alarm cycle basically keeps zombie pigman running, running at you in the middle of the donut. Mm -hmm. And normally it's built above the nether. So you've got a quote unquote cheat. 
to get above the nether. And then you've got to build that like 200 and something blocks in the air or whatever that happens to be for the optimum spawning experience. Yeah. And it is bananas when it's up there. Like it, you're building the farm in the void. There's nowhere for anything else to spawn other than zombie pigments. So it's just, just nuts. Um, but what I did was I thought, well, I don't want to go above the nether. That to me breaks my personal Minecraft experience. So what would be the most efficient place to put this in the nether? It's like, well, the build itself is already something crazy, like 70 blocks wide. So I do not want to dig out, you know, a radius of 128 blocks yeah, in the nether. for sure. No, thank you. So I found the biggest, widest lava lake that I could find. And I built this thing in the middle of it. Mm -hmm. So the lava lake is, I think it's 150 in diameter. So right away, out of your 128... Uh, half of your spawning spaces are already just taken up by lava lake. Yeah, so you don't really have to worry about it. That's huge too. That's yeah. very, very big. It's really, really cool. Uh, and it took a while to find, but it wasn't it wasn't too far away. We had a couple of different spots and this was seen, this seemed to be the closest and, and the best shape. Uh, so we we built, uh, me and Matcast, I think he was helping me the most. I think Alistair contributed as well. But there's, I mean, there's some extra work to it because the donut had to be completely encased in glass. So that mm -hmm. adds another set of materials. Uh, but we made it look cool. It's all pink and nether rack and, and pink, uh, pink terracotta. So it all glows like orangey pink mm -hmm. in the nether, which is really cool. Uh, but I demonstrated this on the server, how it worked, uh, the other day and it's fine. It's just fine. I, I went in there with a pickaxe that was at about 30%. And in the five minutes it took me to demonstrate the farm pickaxe was back to normal. Yeah. And I was not in there very long. Now the farm is not no longer Sorry, that's a double negative. The farm is no no, no longer uh, one hundred percent AFKable. The baby zombie pigmen pathing has changed with either one dot thirteen one or two. I can't remember which. Yep. So it's not the fact that the farm is in the Nether that's breaking it. All of these farms, including farms that I've seen built above the Nether, have this issue. I have not bothered to fix it. I don't know how to fix it. Uh, so I haven't been using it as a complete, you know, AFK spot, but it's excellent for repairs It's excellent for levels. And you get the benefit of having, uh, lots of gold, uh, being siphoned off. And we've got a whole, I've got a whole automated system underneath, which this to me is, is the, is the beauty of, of automation is that the swords and stuff that you get from the zombie pigmen that die are automatically smelted and then put back into the storage system as nuggets. Yes. Yes. So it, so it's, and it's, it's not necessary, but it's fun. So <laughs> I, I, and I was really proud of, you know, creating, you know, integrating the, uh, uh, non-stackable item filter and then taking that down into the other stuff. So that, that to me is the real, is the real fun of automation is like, you can, you can still build things in places where no, it's not the most efficient, but it like there's six of us on the server or eight of us that play at any one time, maybe even less than that. And so for one person to go in when there's no one else logged into the in, or it's certainly no one else in the nether, this yeah. farm is just going to be cranking for you. Yes. You know, um, it took a long time to build. It's, it's, it's again, bigger than we probably need, but it's so nice to not have to worry about gold. Like if mm -hmm. you want to build powered rails, I've got gold for days. Uh, one of the, one of the girls in the server had a birthday. So the birthday present we laid outside her house was a three by three of gold blocks because nice. we just, we just finished the gold farm. We're like, sweet, <laughs> this is actually going to look really cool. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. so stuff like that is, is, has been really fun. Uh, what would you add to farming? What would you like to see added to make automated farming better? 
See, there's not much I can think of off the top of my head simply because I'm not that deep into the automation side of things that I'm like, oh, this is such a roadblock. If only I had this or that, then it would it would be better. Um, probably, if anything, I want the ability for dispensers to be able to place more things because, for example, having them place seeds for crops would allow for fully automatic crop farms, which, mm-hmm. again, kind of ruins the whole notion that you're farming things manually, but then you know the the so far the the only real roadblock to it is just having a player standing there holding right click and placing stuff because those automated kind of nano crop farms will sort that out very quickly like you can churn out potatoes and carrots and stuff like that so forth very easily um but if dispensers could place crops then you could just switch it on and leave it to go until it ran out of bone meal and you just have a ton of crops left over which would again like the the it's it's that line to cross between semi-automatic and automatic where it can run in the background so you can do other things instead of having to stand by the farm and babysit it um dispensers can shear sheep in the 1.14 snapshots so they're adding more functionality to to dispensers it is not unheard of that they could do stuff like this so Mm -hmm. i feel like with dispensers already being able to place things like pumpkins then you know there is you know, in world, there's there's an excuse for them to be able to do stuff like this. I also really want dispensers to be able to place armor stands. And I've wanted this for a while, so much so that I asked on Twitter a little while ago if somebody could make me a data pack that did that. Uh, I have yet to implement the data pack anywhere, but I have one. And it's cool because you can also have dispensers place armor on players or armor stands automatically. Just like have an armor stand go past a dispenser and it triggers something that shoots the armor onto it and i've always wanted to be able to make something in a factory build that looked like a production line where armor stands kind of Uh, drop in get armor added to them and then they go past a wall and maybe like uh they break and then like a diamond one comes out the other side as though it's creating diamond armor even though it's not the problem with that (laughs) is that the armor stands already have to be placed in the world and you can break one by shooting an arrow at it with a dispenser but then you can't have the armor stand placed back in there, which means you'd have to go in and reload the armor stands manually. Right. Which, if you could have dispensers place armor stands just in front of them on a block or whatever, would completely solve that. And it would, it would, it, it doesn't really have any kind of functionality. It's just a fun effect that you could produce. And having yeah. an armor stand just kind of pop up in front of you as like a jump scare or something like that, like have it have it pop up and immediately add a creeper head to it. You know, it'd be it'd be fun. It'd be a good thing for for pranks and stuff like that yeah that um, would have a lot of fun to the game i never thought about armor i was like i saw you saw your note about armor stands like I, I cool but i don't know what the use would be but it's I, I always thinking like farming or something but i can see it now being um like just purely aesthetics and fun and well i remember i think it was two seasons ago on hermitcraft where they did like the jumping elves or something in the christmas town with the yeah. armor stands and that mm-hmm. that was funny like i yeah. that was hilarious to me uh, and I think that's that's the kind of thing I might even try to do in my own Christmas town. Yeah. Um, but I, for me, um, changes would be regarding item transport. Again, I would like hoppers that go up. I understand that we've got droppers and now we have uh, item elevators with water and um, water bubble columns and things. However, n- neither one of those are a small footprint. Uh, yeah. Hopper elevators or dropper elevators require a lot of redstone, even more if you want them to be silent. Yeah, uh, yeah, and and one hundred percent efficient. Um, I've worked out a way to do them in that they're not lossless. But if the only thing going through them is just one thing, 
like you're recycling minecarts or something like that, then it doesn't matter that there's always going to be a half a dozen minecarts in your tower because ultimately they're all just going to start cycling through. Yeah. Um, but then water column, same idea. It's a, it's a minimum five block footprint, you know, with the column and then four blocks to hold in the water. Whereas, you know, hoppers going down, it's just one column. And it would be nice if we had, even if it's a different block, even if it was a more expensive block, um, just something to get them to go up. Uh, yeah. even if up was slower, I, I don't know. I just, I feel like there, it would just solve a lot of problems. I don't necessarily want to make giant columns going up. i I sometimes just want to go up one block, you know, like you just, like, I just, I feel like this should be a thing, you know, where the, the item can go up. Um, yeah. and I like the idea of a faster hopper. Yes. Yeah. Faster hoppers was the other thing I had on my list was yeah. just the, the hopper mine carts are so fast that I feel like having a faster hopper almost seems like, why couldn't you do it? At this yeah. point? I mean, even even if they were made out of gold, even if you had like a gold hopper Ooh. that was like twice as fast or something like that, like the most bling bling hopper you've ever seen. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it could be, it could be good. And, and gold being more difficult to find in large quantities in the early game and just as farmable as iron in the later game, it would kind of make them yeah, a little bit... There would be a kind of gateway to access there. Yeah, so. that's an excellent idea. And and then you could also use them in like builds. Like you could use hoppers like hanging from the ceiling, kind of like chandelier type stuff. Like yeah, and with, with the could, new lanterns they're adding, yeah. where they can dangle from hoppers anyway. Like yeah, yeah, no, that's that's cool because I mean it adds that kind of like functionality where the the block could be used for more than more than one thing. I never yes. thought about different colors for hoppers. It's it's funny like redstone and those components. I always just kind of like well they are what they are. They have to be what they are. Uh, but I'm kind of surprised that I've never thought about like, well, what would redstone components look like if you just changed the color of them? Like if you just made them look a little bit, a little bit different. Um, that's cool. Uh, I can't really think of anything else that I would necessarily add in terms of automation, but I like the idea of observers being able to read crop levels. They could already do it. And saying that, I realize I don't know if I've ever actually tested this. But for example, the different stages of wheat growth, if you put an observer in front of it, does it tick every time that the wheat grows? Uh, I think so. I, I, Or at least, I don't know if it ticks every time the wheat grows. It ticks every time you bone meal it, because that's how those automated crop farms work. Right. But yeah, you just have to keep placing the crops down. Um, yeah. I don't know if it updates. I don't know if it counts as a block update every time a wheat block grows an additional stage but it might yeah. um yeah and that's just thing. wheat like does that work for carrots does that work for, for potatoes um yeah. so in terms of automation the the thing that i find i and this is but my last comment on all of this and that is that i get burnout on farms because mm -hmm. there's only so many that you need carrots potatoes and wheat all your food is done uh, all your trading food is done you don't need anything else uh, same with, you know, once you've got your sugarcane farm and you've got a pumpkin melon farm, well, you don't need more of those either because one farm usually does more than you ever need. So what I would think would be nice is if you're relocating, if you're starting a new server, if there were more things in the game that didn't necessarily replace carrots, potatoes, and wheat, but gave you an opportunity to build something different, like potatoes and carrots and wheat, have it served the same function maybe it's well for example beets beetroot there's no there's no real outside of red dye you can't really do a whole lot with it yeah yeah so it'd be nice if there was i don't know turnips and uh you know insert a bunch of different vegetables or a bunch of different kinds of things that could be farmed in a different mechanic like make it 
be something that you'd have to build a different type of farm so that when you decide to start a new area or start a new uh, a new server, you can say, hmm, I built melon and pumpkin farms last year. I don't want to do that again. Mm-hmm. Let's do something different. Let's build and then, I don't know, cantaloupes or, you know, I'm stuck on melons right now, but like insert <laughs> different item here that will give you the same result. Tradable things with villagers, uh, potions that, you know, have a, you know, glistening melon be uh you know something else like an orange tree maybe you build an orange tree farm and you can only build them on jungle trees and stuff like that but the end result is the same potion and you as a player just choose if you want to build a melon pumpkin farm or if you want to build an orange tree farm i i feel like that could add some variety to the game um because automation for me especially when you've watched a couple of seasons of these large let's play series like hermitcraft like after a while you're just watching everybody build the same farm yeah, yeah, that's that's exactly my problem with it is there's the 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 emphasis on like this farm is the most efficient therefore I will build that farm. It's the the weird emphasis on efficiency over style. But one one my last thought about this before we wrap up is I would love to have the Java version implement pistons being able to push objects that have an inventory because that's already possible in Bedrock Edition. I presume oh, nice, it's on yeah. the table for Java as well, but I don't think I've seen it implemented yet. And having pistons be able to push dispensers or chests around, I would love to have an inventory that kind of reassembles itself from a bunch of chests and or like have chests concealed in a wall and have them appear and then get pushed out by pistons i feel like that would be really cool like bat cave level stuff where you could just have everything just kind of go from inside a wall and and suddenly you'd have this row of chests where there wasn't one before i love that idea and this you know you can emulate that with a you know garage door style thing that opens but you can't have the chests themselves move in bedrock you can and i think i've seen a few redstone folks do some really cool stuff with that that i really wish was in java so once they get around to uh implementing that in java then that that's going to be a good time <laughs> yeah <laughs> no i i 100 agree uh, i'm recalling an old etho build that he you, you couldn't move the chest but he had the lights come on and reveal like pistons would reveal his storage system whenever mm-hmm. he walked into the room and it was it was that kind of bat cave kind of feel absolutely yes. yeah uh, i I want to build a bat cave. That's, <laughs> that's, that's the message you should take away from this is bat cave is always the goal. Anyway, <laughs> I think that's going to wrap up our episode today, folks. Thank you so much for listening to the Spawn Chunks. You can find more information about the show and links to some of the things we talked about today on thespawnchunks.com. The music for the show was composed by me and the Spawn Chunks is proud to be a listener supported podcast. If you get some value out of the show, why not consider joining our Patreon community and putting some value back in? The link for that is patreon.com slash thespawnchunks and and pledging at any level there will get you an invite to our patrons-only Discord chat, which we mention basically every episode because the discussions that take place there are fantastic and inform some of the stuff we talk about on the show on a pretty regular basis. Uh, your donation would also get us closer to our next Patreon goal, which is less than $20 away at this point. Very exciting time. Remember that pledges are per show, not per month, though, so make sure you're only pledging as much as you can afford to pledge. And we are currently at 32 patrons we have half a stack of patrons now which i'm very excited about (laughs) nice that's two stacks of beds which is is one other item that we forgot only stacks to 16 or or buckets buckets as well yeah oh that's right yeah yeah yeah. uh sharing the podcast with friends is the easiest way to support the show costs you nothing you just have to poke a friend in the arm i got flack last week for not 
saying the poke the friendly arm joke so <laughs> it, i think i have to bring it, it, it back. is your go-to phrase when it comes yeah, to this stuff kind of i think funny. people are people are used to it at this point yeah you can find the show on uh, twitter and instagram with the spawn chunks but a personal recommendation goes a long way because the algorithms on social media are mistrustful mm-hmm. uh, just tell tell people that you like uh about the show uh, specifically because if you like them we'll probably like them too and then they'll like us and everybody's happy uh, you can email the show at the spawn chunks at gmail.com thanks again to beck for excellent uh show topics and ideas this week you can find the spawn chunks by name on your favorite podcast platform or podcast app that includes itunes android stitcher and spotify we are everywhere we're like the wind the rss feed for the spawnchunks.com is on the website and the rss feed for patrons is on the patreon page my name is pixel riffs and you can find most of what i do at youtube.com slash pixel riffs where i have a minecraft survival guide series for beginners a multiplayer let's play series called decidedly vanilla and my sky factory time lapses go up there as well i'm also the voice for the unofficial hermitcraft recap which you can find through a quick youtube search and i stream three days a week on twitch where these days i'm mostly playing sky factory and dabbling in other games from time to time aside from that i'm at pixel riffs on both twitter and instagram joel where can people find you online Everything that I am doing online right now is on joelduggan.com, which has been revamped. It has a new web store. It has a new look. My portfolio has been updated. If you're looking to hire an illustrator or know someone that needs a designer, then pass my information along. And I'm going to plug something very specific this week, both on my store on joelduggan.com and on forgepublishing.com, which is the forge, uh, the, uh, publishing company that I run, uh, we have a Black Friday sale now into Cyber Monday, but this is the last day. So if you're looking to save on some prints for stocking stuffers, uh, there are only a few copies of Piper's book left on Forge Publishing. Uh, so check that out at forgepublishing.com shop or joelduggan.com shop. Thanks for visiting the Spawn Chunks. The world outside is infinite and sort of automatic.